stay right here. Stay roaring. Somebody say roar. Tell your neighbor like a lion. Not a lioness. Don't give me the kitty cat. If you want a kitty cat, you can get a break for that. Eat some chocolate. You'll be all right. <laughs> but here we need lions. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, and I'm telling you, it's a very important message. I pray that your hearts and ears are focused on what God has to say. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hannah, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed. Somebody say mourned. Mourn. Somebody say fasted Fast. and prayed. And then it says before the God of heaven. Father, I pray right now, Lord God, that we would be a people that would go after Jesus. We would not sit, we would not wait, but Lord, that spirit that is alive and well in us, Lord, that we would not be a dead church, but an alive, moving, Father, in prayer, moving, in planning, and moving in the procession, God. Father, we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Remove me, place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit, in Jesus' name. And all together we said, we all said, before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, let's get it. Then you may be seated. Somebody say, let's get it. I want to tell you a story of a simple pastor who lived in Kentucky. Once he had the chance to go visit the Pope, the Vatican in Italy. After traveling to the Vatican, he, stepped, he walked up to the steps and through the halls of the, the building where the Pope had stayed. He looked in awe of the beautiful marble floors and the majestic columns. Then he came into the Pope's office and he had greeted the Pope who was seated behind the desk. The Christian pastor sat nearby and then they exchanged pleasantries. Then the pastor noticed a red phone sitting at the end of the desk. So the pastor asked what it was. Oh, that's my hotline to God, replied the Pope. Whenever things get too difficult uh, and I need to have a personal talk with God, I just give him a call. Oh, said the pastor, would you mind if I tried it? Not at all, the Pope responded. So the little young pastor picked up the phone, dialed the number, and sure enough, he got through to God. So he offered his respects and prayers, said he was very happy to talk to him, and then hung up the phone after only five minutes. He was a simple pastor and didn't have much more to say to God. He then thanked the Pope for the privilege of using the special red phone. The Pope replied, Oh, that is quite all right. Oh, by the way, that'll be 
$75, inquired the pastor. Oh, yes, said the Pope. You know, long distance charges. It's a long way from here to God, you know. So the pastor pulled out his wallet and gave the Pope $75. Several months later, the Pope had the opportunity to visit Kentucky. And it was arranged for him to come to Louisville and visit the little young pastor. So the Pope, the Pope approached the little house of the young pastor and walked through the door. He sat on a chair right in front of the table where the young pastor was pleased again to meet the Pope. They exchanged greetings when the Pope noticed the same kind of red phone at the pastor's table he had seen at the Vatican. So the Pope asked what that was. To the pastor, he said, why, I also have a hotline to God. Do you mind if I used it, asked the Pope. I really have a lot on my mind. Please do, responded the pastor. So the Pope got on the phone and got a good connection and managed to get through right away to God. He offered his prayers, but then he had a lot of things to discuss. He talked about the trouble in the Vatican, the difficulties with the priests and the legal charges in the United States and the changing attitudes of the congregation in England and Europe and, and so on. Fifteen minutes went by. Half hour went by. Then finally, after nearly an hour, he was able to put down the phone. Then he said, thank you very much. I feel a whole lot better now. I had so much to talk about. By the way, how much is that going to be? The young pastor thought about it for a moment and said, that'll be two quarters. What? The Pope replied and was very surprised about how inexpensive it was. Why so cheap? Why, don't you know, the young Louisville pastor said, here, it's a local call. <laughs> if I go to your house, is God going to be a long-distance call or is it going to be a short distance? See, it should be the place where God should be right close to you. See, my friend, it doesn't even cost two quarters. It doesn't cost $75. You know how much it costs? Two knees. That's it. It's free. It's a free call. See, when you get in the presence of the king, he's there and he should reside and abide and live with you. See, my friend, God should not be a distant cousin. God should not be that relative that you only call in emergencies. He should not be the king that all of a sudden when times are going bad, okay, now we need God. No, God should be right there in your house. God should be right there. He should be abiding at your job, abiding in your life, abiding in your talk, abiding even right here, right now. Right there next to you should be a seat just for God. Wherever you go, when you're driving by yourself, you're driving with God. When you think you're alone, you're right there with God. He should be right there. See, Nehemiah knew that his opportunity with the king was coming. He knew his purpose was to get in the presence of the king with the attention of the king. There was something that needed to be said with the king about the kingdom. Nehemiah's concern over the condition of Jerusalem had consumed him. It broke his heart. The thoughts of what was as opposed to what could be brought him to tears. Somebody say he cried. Somebody say he wept. And as he did this, what happened was the Bible says that his lifestyle, his way of being began to change. It wasn't a casual concern. This was a vision in the making. So with his city in ruin, with his city in mayhem, even his city it looked beyond repair, what did Nehemiah do? With the walls torn down in Jerusalem, with the city looked like nothing was going to happen, what did Nehemiah do? You know what Nehemiah did? Now watch this. 
Because a lot of times, especially in Victory Outreach, we say we're a church on the move, right? Say, come on, we got to do something. we got to do something. we got to do something. Think about this. The walls of Jerusalem, all of a sudden nothing was happening. Nothing was taking place. Nobody wanted to do anything. So all of a sudden, Nehemiah got it in his heart. He said, man, i got to do something. Something's got to take place. But guess what he did? You know what Nehemiah did? Nothing. He did nothing. Now, not nothing in a bad way. He did nothing in a good way. I'm going to see why. See, right away when he heard this and he felt this in his heart and he felt this in his spirit, right away he did nothing. Why? Because he didn't have to go out there and take vengeance on his own. He didn't go out there and try to make up a reason just to leave his city, to leave the place where he was at in Persia. He didn't even share his burden with other concerned Jews. But neither did he allow his daily responsibilities to distract him from the burden that had gripped his heart. The option he actually chose was to wait. Tell your neighbor, wait. Look at this. What could be and should be can't be until God is ready for it to be. I'm going to say that one more time. What could be and should be can't be until God is ready for it to be. A lot of times we tend to think, okay, i got to make it happen. No, is God ready for it to happen? And Nehemiah knew this. Nehemiah understood it. He said, man, I don't want to go out there with, uh, like a crazy man just swaling a sword and, and yelling at people and things beginning. Oh, that has to happen. When you read the life of Paul and if you study his life, you will find that when he got converted, he started yelling at people, getting crazy just like the way he was. Because Paul was a crazy man. Paul was a, I'm, on a, I'm just going to be real. You ever have those people? I'm just being real. I'm just, I'm just going to say the truth. But you feel like saying, you know what you need? You need to just shut up. That's what you need. We don't want to hear it. And if you study the life of Paul, you will read that. Matter of fact, the Bible says that the people in the city of Paul, they got so mad at them, they just put them in a basket and said, get out of here, dude. Like, you need to leave. You're getting a little too crazy here. You need to chill out. So he studied his life, and he went out for 10 years and went to go study, then came back with a lot more understanding and maturity. See, Nehemiah, he understood that. So he didn't look at the walls and he go, who, who let these walls fall? It's your fault. It's your thing. Because a lot of times if you go on your, just, your own impulse, you start chomping at people. It's your fault. See, if you would have did this, if you would have been, see, if you would have had that, if you would have, see, it's your fault, your fault. Nehemiah knew, and he understood that. So what did he do? He waited. See, a lot of times, Sometimes in doing nothing, sometimes it's the best thing. But seemingly, it looked like he did nothing. But in reality, he actually did. See, what's great about this story here in Nehemiah is his vision. Somebody say vision. See, visions often die during a stretch of inactivity. It is discouraging to continue dreaming about something that appears to have no potential of ever happening. After a prolonged period of waiting, a vision can slip into the realm of what won't ever be. I know many of you, you even had visions. Man, I'm going to finish school, but all of a sudden, I ain't got no finances now. I want to go to school. I want to do this. Some of you, your job doesn't allow you the flexibility to pursue your, per, uh, your, to pursue your business idea. Everybody says you need more experience. Your responsibilities leave you with no free time. There's a lot of debts you got to pay. It's been a long time since there was a spark of interest. And so a lot of things begin to happen. Man, I want to do this. I, I have an idea. I'd like to pursue this. But all of a sudden, in the meantime, in the meantime, see, that's where a lot of visions die. You know where they die? 
in the meantime. They die in the meantime. Man, I have a great idea. Man, we should do this. Okay, but hold on and wait. In the meantime. I know many of you, even at one time, you wanted to go to college. Good man, I'm going to go to college. I got great, man, I got great aspirations. I'm going to be a nurse. I'm going to get this. But all of a sudden, in the meantime, man, I want to go do this. Oh, man, I have a great idea. I'll go to the business. Okay, great things are going to happen. But in the meantime, see, Nehemiah understood that the meantime could kill his vision. So he needed to make sure that something was going to happen. Some of you here this morning, you got to get your dream back. You got to get that vision back. That even when you first can, because even a lot of times, especially for those of you that have been saved a while, oh, my family's going to get saved. You've been saved a while, they're still not saved. But in the meantime, in the meantime, it can very easily happen. Happens a lot of times. I see people come to church all the time expecting, oh, okay, God, you're going to do this for me. You're going to do, and the promises of God. And you got the, oh, I got a promise, I got a promise. But in the meantime, a lot of times those promises, they get away from you. you say, I don't never happen. It'll never take place. I don't see it anymore. And the vision gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer in the meantime. Tell your neighbor in the meantime. But what can you do to keep your dream alive, the vision alive? What did Nehemiah do? He did three things. And really quickly, number one, he prayed. Number two, he planned. And number three, he then proceeded. Somebody say prayed. Somebody say plan. Somebody say proceed. See, what Nehemiah, when Nehemiah heard about the condition of Jerusalem, there was nothing that he could do to fix the walls at that moment. He was in the wrong place with the wrong job working for the wrong person, and he had no way of changing that. He was not free to act on his vision. You ever been in a situation like that? You had a vision, but all of a sudden you felt like I had no freedom? You felt like, man, I can't do it. I want to do great things for God, but, yeah, I got to go do this. Yeah, I want to go do some great things, but, yeah, this still has to happen. I know even some of you here, I've heard many of your uh, opportunities that you've wanted. Man, I want to go travel the world, but I got to work. Right? Then think about it. Of course you got to work. You got, you got a family you got to take care of, but you still got a vision in there. I've even heard somebody say, man, one day I want to go to Russia, but I just can't right now. When you talk about your vision, you're excited. When you talk about reality, it gets dim. Right? And let's be honest, that happens a lot of times. Even some of you are like, oh, man, I was going to do something great. And then I had kids. <sighs> right? That happens. You got great visions. Man, you're young, you're healthy. Yeah. Then reality hits. Oh, man. But see this, here this morning, I want you to see the wisdom of Nehemiah that kept his vision alive. Tell your neighbor, keep it alive. See, even still in the meantime, Nehemiah was not inactive. He used the time to prepare for the day when God would release him to pursue his vision. No discouragement or distractions were going to take away this dream. So what did he do? The first thing he did was he prayed. Somebody say pray. Now, prayer is critical to the vision development. Now, here's why. We see what we are often looking for. We often miss what we don't expect to see. I'm going to say that one more time. We see what we're often looking for. We often miss what we don't expect to see. Here's a perfect example. I remember many years ago, we used to do this drama called it Shotgun. And we used to travel all over the place. 
We used to travel to this one city called Elko, Nevada. Great city. We had a lot of fun, a lot of great times. And I remember we used to go there in the winter, and it used to snow. And it used to snow there. I mean, it was beautiful. It was awesome. And I remember one day we were chilling just right there by the fireplace. About ten of us guys were kicking back in a real nice cabin. And then it was around 8 o'clock at night. And one guy walks in the room and he says, who wants to go on the snowboards? Right? It was like, yeah, it's just getting people excited. So a few guys got up and they went out of the cabin and they went into the snow in the dark. And I remember it was real dark. But I remember as they all took off, I was sitting there. You know, I was real cozy by the fire. You know, I was like, I just want to chill right here. And I just remember thinking, where are they going to get the snow? There is no snowboards. It's dark. I mean, and you got to remember, this is Elko, Nevada. There's no street lights. It's just dark. The only light you have is the moon, and that is if it's not overcast, because you're in the middle of nowhere. So there are no lights. So I'm thinking, I was out there in the snow. I didn't see no snowboards. Like, whatever. So I was thinking, you know what? Those guys are probably going to get mad. They're going to get all like, man, there's no snowboards. They just didn't come back. So I was like, yeah, I'm the cool one. I'm sitting by the fire, just chilling. I'm a hot cocoa. Let's do this, you know. I'm good to go. So in my mind, I was like, there's just no way. There's no, I, I remember walking in snow. I didn't see any snowboards. So that's what I thought. So about two hours later, remember the, the guys, they returned back, and they had three snowboards. And they were full of snow and full of stories. And they were talking about riding down the hill. And I remember I go, where did you guys find those? And they said, well, they were right there in the snow. You see, the reason why I didn't see any snowboards was because I wasn't even looking for them. See, we see what we're looking for, and we often miss what we don't expect to see. And prayer keeps us looking. Prayer keeps the burden fresh. Prayer keeps us sensitive to the vision that God has for us. That's why it's very important, the vision that you have. I, I've heard even somebody say, man, I, I want to open up an orphanage with you, Pastor. I shared that a couple, while, uh, a couple months ago, last year. I want to open up an orphanage, but I want to tell you something. It's a good idea, but if I don't keep it in prayer, it's just going to stay like that. Some of you say, man, I want, I want to get a bus. I don't want to pick up people every Sunday morning. Man, I want to go out there on Mondays and Tuesdays and go lay hands on people. And it's a good idea. But unless you stay in prayer, it's not going to keep you sensitive to the, to the vision. And Nehemiah understood this. Nehemiah understood that this prayer will keep it fresh. Prayer keeps our eyes and ears sensitive to the expectancy. I remember when I had my, uh, my first son. Man, so many people, they kept texting me. They kept calling me. Is, it, is the baby there yet? Is it there yet? You know, how, how much does it weigh? And I'm like, dude, just chill. It's not here yet. You know, hold on. You know, and just people kept, because the expectancy is your wife, how is she, how many meters, how many centimeters, how many this, how many that, people just kept texting me. I'm like, dude, just chill. But it's the expectancy. It's going to happen. And when it's going to happen, prayer keeps you on the edge of what's going to happen. See, many of you right now, you probably think it, well, the, the idea that you used to have is a such distant, so far, it's not even there anymore. You know what you got to Get back to doing, you got to pray. Prayer keeps you sensitive. Prayer keeps it right there. Oh, man. See, some of you, when you heard like Juan and Gloria come up here and they were talking about, oh, man, we're out there. To some of you, it's just a good idea. Oh, that's so good. They go pray for prostitutes. They need it. 
Oh, that's so great, man. Praise the Lord for you. <laughs> High five right there. But then every once in a while, you'll hear those things and it stirs you up. Like, ooh, I want to go. I want to go pray for people. I want to lay hands, right? Doesn't that happen when you come to church? You get stirred, right? Like, ooh, I want to. Man, I want to go out there. I want to get a bus. I want to go pick up people. I want to take some food. I want to go, right? You come to church and you're like, yeah. And you're because you know what church is? Church is a big faith stirrer. That's what it does. It stirs your faith. You're like, yeah, all right, yeah. And then you leave the doors and you're like, okay, what am I going to go eat now? Man, my mom, she just keeps bothering me. Why is my, how can my son, my daughter, and all the trials and tribulations of the world? Nehemiah understood this. See, the walls of Jerusalem were torn down. It got his heart. It messed him up. Spiritually, it did a mess up on us. Man, how can I be here and have the walls torn down there? So what did he do? He kept it in prayer. You know what some of you got to do? The vision that you get when you come to this altar and you hear, you put countries upon, God puts a country on your heart. God puts a ministry on your heart. God puts something on your heart. You know what you got to do when you take it? You got to go home. You got to pray. You say, okay, God, I want to stay sensitive. What do you want me to do? What do you have for me to do? You got to stay sensitive to what God has for us. See, when God begins to move, prayer helps us recognize it. Prayer almost ensures you won't miss the opportunity God brings your way. See, looking for something doesn't necessarily mean you're going to find it, but it definitely increases the odds of seeing it. I like what Marcel Proust said. He said, the real voyage of discovery consists of not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. Some of us here this morning, you know what you got to do? You got to not just look for new adventures because the adventures are there. The things are happening. You know, i got to pray for God. Let me see it through new eyes. Let me see it in a new way. Let me see something brand new. Even though I can almost guarantee you, some of you, that things are in front of you in your everyday life. You really don't see it. you got to ask God. Say, God, I want to see what you want me to see. Because I want to go where you want me to go. I want to do what you want me to do. You know what he prayed for? Nehemiah prayed for two things. You know what he prayed for first? Number one, he prayed for an opportunity. Somebody say opportunity. He just wanted to share the vision with the king. In Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 11, look at this. He said, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success. Somebody say success. Today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Success. Success in what? You know what he wanted success in? He wanted success in casting the vision to the one who stood between him and his dream. Vision to the one who stood between him and his dream. You know what I think? I, I think that this wasn't the only time he'd ever prayed this prayer. I don't think this was the only time he ever prayed like this. I think he'd have been praying like this for a while. He had been praying like this for a while. It wasn't a one time. You, you know what happens many times? You start praying for your mom. You see no results. You stop praying for your mom. You know what happens a lot of times? You start, you keep praying for that job. You know, the job that you know that God has called you. You're in a job right now that you know is just, man, this is taking you out of rhythm. You're, you're coming here. You're in spirit. And then Monday through Friday, I'm in the flesh. And at, you're at work, right? Let's be honest. You're at work and you're like, God, give me a new job. But that's about it. You know what I think? I think that Nehemiah, when he saw the walls, he didn't say, God, give me a new job. Okay, that's it. God, you do the rest. He said, God, give me a new job, but give me an opportunity. 
give me an opportunity. That's all I need, just to be one time in the presence of the king. That's all he wanted was one time. That's all he needed was one time. Tell your neighbor, one time. See, many times, listen to me very carefully on this. Many times we pray for miracles to happen. But in most situations, it actually might even be more suitable for you to pray for opportunities. Listen to me. A lot of times we pray for miracles. You know what miracles are? In football they call them Hail Marys because they just throw it out there. And whatever happens, happens. That's what they do. They just get the ball. They don't even know who's going to catch it. They have no idea who's even going to touch the ball. They just throw it up there. I'm just going to throw it and whatever happens, happens. You know what? You got to start praying for more, more than that, more than the Hail Marys. Because a lot of times we come to church and we just throw up Hail Marys. Okay, God, I need a new job. I need some more finances. Okay, peace out. I'll see you next Sunday. You know what you got to do? You got to start just throwing little 10-yard passes. Okay, God, give me an opportunity. Just give me an opportunity. Some of you are praying for your children. You need to start praying for your, your children to build character. Just give them a little opportunity, God. That's it. Just give me a little opportunity. Some of you got a coworker. You got to just start praying for opportunities. Don't start saying, okay, God, I know they're going to get saved. No. You know what you got to start doing? Many times we start praying, God, you're going to do it. You know what God's doing? God's saying, I'm waiting for you to do it. I have doors. They're right there. The doors are right there. But a lot of times, and it happens within us, many, many a times we figure all oh, the doors closed. You know what you got to do? Instead of looking at the door that's closed, look for a window of opportunity. The door's closed. It's not going to happen. Oh, he's an atheist. She's an atheist. It's never going to happen. Oh, they're closed. Look for a window. The door may be closed, but some of you, uh, look at me. You know how to get in windows. Don't look at me like you don't. And if you don't know, you know somebody who does. Well, I can't do it. I'll just have somebody do it. Well, it's the same way. Look, in the spirit, don't think, oh, man, it's, it's cool. They're never going to, my mom, she's the, you know, my coworker. they're never going to. No, listen, my friend, as long as they're breathing, there's hope. As long as they're breathing, there's hope. So don't think for a second, oh, man, it's closed down. Can you imagine Nehemiah looking at all the walls saying, man, it's never going to happen. No, he said, no, God, give me an opportunity. Give me just one opportunity. That's all I need is one opportunity. You know the way that some of you got to start thinking? you got to start changing your thinking at your job. See, some of you think that your boss is your leader. You know, you know what he is? Your boss is an opportunity. My boss is the one who gives me my check. No, God's the one that gives you your check. He just uses your boss to give it to you. You need to change. You need to shift the way you look at it. you got to shift the way you, you, you see things. See, because in prayer, it keeps you sensitive to the things that you see. So you got to say, okay, God, just give me an opportunity. That's all I need. I just need an opportunity. Tell your neighbor, an opportunity. See, Nehemiah was a man of vision, not a dream. He was expecting, he wasn't just expecting God to do something without him. He was looking for an opportunity to work inside God's plan. So he prayed for an opportunity. See, there's a difference between a dreamer and a visionary. Dreamers dream about things being different. Visionaries envision themselves making a difference. Dreamers think about how nice it would be for something to be done. Visionaries look for an opportunity. You know the second thing he prayed for? 
He not only prayed for an opportunity, but he prayed for favor. Somebody say favor. See, Nehemiah wanted the king to feel something when he had heard about the condition of the Jews. It was a long shot, but he knew all he needed was one opportunity. See, the king wasn't a compassionate man, but he was about to step into the presence of the king, and he needed favor for finances. He knew that the king was going to give him exactly what was needed to repair and build the walls. See, my friend, prayer takes us beyond all human possibilities. It takes us beyond. And at this time, he said, listen, if I'm going to repair these walls, it's not going to be cheap. Tell your neighbor, it's not cheap. So after the prayer, what did he do? He planned. Somebody say he planned. See, in addition to prayer... It's very important that you spend quality time in planning a strategy. Look at this. Plan as if you knew someone were going to come along and give you an opportunity to pursue your vision. Plan as if you knew someone was going to come along and give you the opportunity to pursue your vision. See, a lot of times we pray, okay, God, just make me a millionaire. Okay, after it makes you a millionaire, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? I want to give you about five seconds right now. Think about it. I got a million dollars for every single one of you here in this place. Okay? I'll give you ten seconds. I'll give me about ten seconds. I got a million dollars for every single person here in this place. I'm going to give every And if you're married, two million. Two million. If you're under 18, half a million. I don't know if you know what you're going to do with it yet. I'll give you 10 seconds right now. Think about it. What would you do with a million dollars? Okay. Go ahead. Think about it. What would you do with a million dollars? Think about it right now. Got it? Okay. Okay. You get it? You got it? Now, Nehemiah had no money. Nehemiah had no opportunities. Nehemiah, all he had was a burden and a vision. That's it. That's all he had. But the burden burned inside of him. Listen to me. This is where we're coming right here. I'm about to come to a close. The burden burned inside of him. And the vision took him beyond his natural possibilities. So what did he do? He prayed. After he prayed, what did he do? He planned. Listen to me. Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay. We don't come to church on a Sunday morning to say, man, let's have two hours of a good service. No, we come to church to say, okay, God, what do you want us to do? Because after we get out of here, I'm not a Christian for two hours. God, I'm a Christian 24-7, and I need to plan accordingly. I need to make room accordingly. How many were here the other night when you heard of make room? Some of you got to start making room. Some of you got to start planning. When you have a woman and she's pregnant and the baby is coming, you don't wait for the baby to come and say, okay, now I'm going to go and I'm going to get the room ready. No. When the baby is inside, you say, man, I got to start getting a room. What color am I going to get it? What, what kind of a crib? How am I going to get this? What about the toys? What the baby's not even there, but you start planning. Some of you right now, you got to start planning. Well, I don't have the money. Okay, well, if you're going to wait for the money, well, then you're probably going to be waiting for a very long time. 
Well, I don't have the car. I don't have the house. I don't have a Listen, I've been in a place in a room when we had our discipleship home. And I was planning on having 15 guys in my house. Jason remembers this. Some of the other guys remember this. They're like, man, we're going to have a big discipleship home. So I'll never forget. I got a discipleship home, and I had one room. Yes. And we had, well, actually two rooms if you count the living room. We had two rooms, one and a half. But I said, man, we're going to disciple guys. And after one guy came, then another guy came. Then another guy came. Then another guy came. I, I don't, you know what? I don't even know how many guys we had in that discipleship house. It must have been crazy. It was, I don't know, I think we had about eight guys, nine guys in a two-room. Less than, it wasn't even two-room. If you knew where it was at, it was a basement the size of, I, I kid you not, it wasn't even the size of that back room where we get the food from. You know, right back there where we go in there. Not even that size. About that size. Maybe, Jason, right? You remember. You remember. <laughs> about that? Was it about that size? A little bit bigger, right? A little bit bigger. But we had about eight guys, nine guys. But you know what I liked about it? Is the fact that we just had a couple guys saying, we don't care about the surroundings. We want it inside here. They had a hunger for it. See, some of you, th you're waiting for the perfect conditions. You're like a golfer that just goes. No, not time yet. Not time yet. No, no, not going to hit the ball. No, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait. Listen, if you just, if you keep doing this, if you get, waiting for the weather. Oh, the weather, no, no. People, st no, no, people still don't understand me. They don't get me. I'm going to wait. No, I'm going to wait. No, no, I don't have a suit. I don't have a suit yet. No, I'm not going to, no. No, I don't have a big house yet. I'll, if you just keep waiting, you're going to keep waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. See, Nehemiah understood. He said, man, if I just keep waiting, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to be like every other Jew. Be just like everybody else. You know what every other Jew had? It was called pity. Oh, look at our walls. So bad. Somebody should do something. Okay, I'm going to go back to my regular life. Nehemiah said, no. Look at these walls. Somebody's got to do something. I, I can't sit here and just let the gang members just run around and I look at the news. I can't let prostitutes come in my city. I, I can't let this happen in my city. Somebody's got to do something about the condition of my city. I've got to do something. See, some of you, listen, when you watch the news, does it move you or is it, ah, just change the channel. Is anybody else? Let somebody else deal with it. No, this is your city. You gotta have a burden for this thing. You gotta say, God, I need to get on my knees and I need to be sensitive to the move that you have. You know what I feel when I see when I drive up and down this city? Man, I see so many open buildings. Don't you? I look at all these open buildings. Like, man, that could be a youth center, that could be an orphanage. Okay, we can, oh, I got a perfect house right there. You know what I love about uh, uh, Bishop Macklin? The man's awesome. So much that he just, you know what he did? He goes, oh, I'm just not going to have an environment for people to live in that will be good. I'm just going to go, go ahead and buy the whole apartment complex. He bought the whole thing. 
I'll just buy the whole thing. I said, wow. So he bought the whole, I think he owns like at least two blocks, minimum. Owns two blocks. Because he went out there and said, nah, I can't let the condition of my city. And you know what he told me too? I'll never forget this. Because we helped him build those pillars of lights. You guys, uh, you ever drive on Tennyson, see the lights right there, especially in there? And uh, we helped build those. It was actually Pasquale and a few of the guys in the home. They built all those lights from brick by brick. Those aren't fake. Those are real bricks. They built, I think, about 45 of them brick by brick. It took a long time. They built them all on the lights. You know what Bishop Macklin told me? He said, you know the reason why we put these lights right here? It's because they need to know that there is a light in the midst of this darkness. They need to know that. And it was hard. And, and he told me some of those trials. He goes, man, they were coming. He, he even told me one time, all the, you guys remember that story? The gang members, they all they came out with guns. They said, you come out that church, we're going to kill you. They all had guns. They said, you come out that church, we're going to kill you. Well, guess what happened? He came out the church. And guess who was right there with him? Victory Outreach. He said, you, oh, you think you got guns? So do we. We got guns too. No, not these ones, actually. We had these ones. It was hard, man. It was bomb. He said, no, no, no. We're not going to let the condition of our, oh, man, these gang members, they said they're going to kill us. So we can't do that. Nah. This is my city. This is my burden. This is my vision. And God's told me to do this. Listen to me. Listen to me, especially those of you here that this is your church. You cannot let the, 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 the atmosphere dictate what God has called you to do. Listen, some of you got to start getting a burden once again. You got to start getting on your knees once again saying, God, give me a plan. Give me a burden for my city, for my people. God, I can't let the walls of this city be run down. God, you've called me to reach the gang member, the drug addict, the hurting, the down and out. Why? Because this is my vision. This is our vision. Everyone else looks at rundown walls. Everyone else says it can never be done. It can never be completed. But God, you called me. You know what happened? I'm going to share just a little bit with you. Can I be open with you? Is that all right? Listen, I know we've been in this building for a little while. And we're nowhere near. If I'm honest, financially, we're nowhere near. We can go and get our own building. I can honestly say, though, being very transparent, we're not in the red. We're nowhere near the red. We manage our finances the proper way. Sister Beverly, she is a great manager of our finances. Come on, give her a hand right now. It's a lot of work. A lot of work. Because you, especially in the day and age where you hear a lot about churches, and oh, man, they're going under. It's crazy. It's crazy. And so it makes even the church at, in general look like, oh, man, you know, listen, we do our best to manage the finances with integrity, with honesty, obedience, and I believe that God is going to honor that. So I was driving here the other day, and I look at it every, just about every single day, and it gets on my nerves like an eyesore. You guys probably see it too. I know you do. You have to. That holiday ball, right? How many of you used to bowl there? Oh, you remember? Right? How many of you used to get drunk there? Okay, all right, all right, let's go, let's go. Hallelujah. I see that thing, man. And it does, in the natural, it looks like an eyesore. 
But when I'm in prayer, I'm going to be honest, I drive real slow right by it. And for a brief five seconds, I see a beautiful light. For a brief ten seconds, I see souls walking in. And they're not going in there to get drunk, but they're to get healthy. Just for a brief, just, 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 just brief. It's just brief. It's not long, but it's brief. But the thing about it is that I keep having more brief moments. They come more often. They just keep coming. More brief moments. More brief times. Where it wasn't just once or not twice. Like, it keeps happening. It's like, man. But you know what the great thing I love about it? it just real quick. I'm, look at this. In the city of Hayward, you can't have big signs, right? Like, you can't. You just, we're after, I think it was 92 or something like that, 93, you had to limit your signs and all that. That's crazy. For those of you that run businesses or things like that, you know exactly what I'm talking about, the policies. and the, Well, that building's been around longer than 92. So I don't know. I'm just saying. A lot of times what they do is they call it grandfathered in. That's a huge sign. It's a big sign. Humongous. And according to the procedures and the policies, if all is done correctly, the sign could stay that big. That's what it says. Now, I, I really, you know, I'll be honest. I inquired about it the other day. Can I be transparent? Is that okay? I inquired about it. Called a real estate agent. Said, hey, my name's so-and-so. He remembered me. Hey, I remember you. All right. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. You remember? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. From Victory Outreach. Pastor Steve's son. All right. Good thing. So I asked him. I said, hey. He goes, you know what? I haven't looked into that piece of property for over, I think he said, five and a half years. Something like that. Five and a half years. He hasn't looked into it. Four and a half years. Something. I don't know. You know, he said the last number he told me. I'm just going to be honest. This is what he told me. He goes, the last I remember they had that at was $4.2 million. A lot of money, huh? It's a lot. It's a good piece of property. Right next to a golf course. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. But it's, in, it's pretty much industrial right here. This is where it kind of separates. This is the last exit that pretty much separates between even Union City and Fremont, Hayward, you know, all right here. This is, Jackson is pretty much like the heart of the heart. It is kind of like the heart of the heart. And we're, we're kind of like right here, not far from it. And so that's a prime piece of property, very prime. A lot of things that happened. They told me a few things of why it got, uh, you know, they left and all these different things. They didn't keep up with certain stuff and the earthquake, retrofit, and all this other stuff. So I said, okay. And I go, 4.2? I go, all right. It's good to know. And he goes, are you looking into it? I go, I don't know. You want to look into it for me? You know why? Because as I was studying this message, God was getting me ready. I was just getting ready. Do I have 4.2? Mm, I don't even know if I have 
$4.20 right now. Just being honest. But in the spirit, I got 4.2 in the spirit. It's how, now, whether it's that piece or not, listen, it's not about that exact thing. It's about the vision. It's about what God is showing you. I'll never forget when I was here in Hayward and God said, you're going to be a pastor. My father was alive. I said, man, am I going to pastor here? Where am I going to go? Am I going to be sent out? It wasn't the fact of where it was going to be. It was the fact that it was going to be. See, some of you right now, you're waiting for it. You're looking at, oh, it has to be that. It has to be that. It has to, no, you just got to prepare yourself. Start planning now. Start getting it ready now. What happens when your coworker walks up to you and says, you know what? I think I'm ready to get saved now. Are you going to be ready? Are you going to be like, oh, well, hold, hold on. I don't have my Bible on me. Wait, I wasn't prepared for this. Hold on. What happens when your mom calls you up and says, okay, daughter, I'm ready to get healed. Oh, wait, let me go call somebody for, for them to come pray for you. They're going to say, no, let me go pray for you. I'm ready ready. I'm prepared. See, my friend, it's very important that you prepare yourself. You get yourself ready. I know you ain't got the money right now, but prepare yourself. I know you don't have it all together yet right now, but prepare yourself. I know your marriage doesn't look like it's all great right now, but it's okay. Get a plan right now. Start getting it ready right now. Prepare yourself because when God gives you the opportunity, it's ready to go. It's ready to go. Listen, I don't know if it's going to be that holiday bowl or any of these plays. I have no idea. I'm just getting ready. I'm just getting ready. See, a lot of times, this even happens a lot of times with a lot of singles. Oh, I want a wife. I want a wife. I want a wife. Learn how to just be a man first. Just be a man. How about that? I want a husband. I want a husband. You know what a lot of times I hear a lot of people come in here, they just want a baby daddy. Stop that. Be a mom. How about that? Just be a mom. Be a mother. Be a great mother. Be the greatest mother you can ever be. Then God will provide. See, this happens a lot. Of, oh, man, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to be a millionaire. Can you handle $100? How about that? Just handle $100. Just handle $100. Just handle that. Prepare yourself now. Start getting it ready now. Nehemiah understood, listen, these walls are not built up yet, but one day they're going to be. And when they are built up, it's going to be because my heart, my burden, and the people around got on track with this, got on vision and said, okay, let's go. Let's do this. Let's build these walls together. Greater is he that is in me than he that has put these walls down. I am telling you that one day we're going to have these walls rebuilt in the city of Hayward. One day, it's going to happen. The people are going to see, man, what is happening in that city. You know what it is? It's a bunch of people that had a vision. It's a bunch of people that were praying. They were planning. And then they proceeded to do what God has called them to do. I want to challenge some of you right now. Start getting yourself ready now. Start preparing yourself now. Start getting sensitive to the spirit now. Get ready. I like T.D. Jakes when he says that. Get ready, 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 get ready. Because it's coming. It's coming. Tell your neighbor, it's coming. Start preparing yourself now. Let's go get it. Stand with me here this morning. Vision without action is a daydream. Action without a vision is a nightmare. 
Vision without action is a daydream. Action without vision is a nightmare. It's very important that you and I don't let the opportunity pass us by. Some of you right now, I, I pray that you're ready. What, what were to happen right now if you had an opportunity to even switch careers, switch jobs? Would you be ready? No, 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 I'm not ready. I don't know. Some of you, one day, watch. Some of you are going to start moving houses. You're going to start getting cars. Start getting finances. Are you ready? Are you ready? Oh, no, that will never happen to me. I, I can't do that. That's going to be possible. I, it's just I'm little old me. I'm just an ex-drunk. I'm an ex. No, listen, my friend. Listen. Even the other day we heard of Pastor Allen. You know what he called? He said, you're not a second-class citizen. God, a man of God, in the making with a vision, with a burden, fresh, ready to go. God's called you. He's got great things for you, powerful things for you. Ah, oh, but I messed up. Ah, oh, it's okay. Get back in line. Get those knees. Set them forth. Get them straight. God says he'll make the crooked path straight. Don't worry about it. You're saying, Lamb, don't worry about it. Just straighten them out. Lift your hands with me here this morning. Father, I pray right now, Lord God, that you would be with each and every man and woman that is here, Lord God. Let the vision, the dream, let it not die, Lord God. It's a many of the hearts, it's a many of the minds that are here this morning, Lord Jesus. Let's say, Father, we want you. We need you. This vision is yours. Give me a burden. Keep it fresh in my heart. Keep it fresh in my sight. Keep it fresh in my life, Lord. Lord, I don't want this vision to die out. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, if that's you here this morning and you say, you know what? I need to keep the vision fresh in my heart. I need to keep it fresh in my life. Uh, for some of you, you've been praying for your mom, for your dad. I don't know what it might be. Some of you, you've been praying for a new job, for a new house, for a, a new place, even a new culture within your household, within your within your workplace. And you say, now, I don't know how it's going to happen. Listen, my friend, you got to get a plan. Keep it in prayer. Get a plan. Keep it in prayer. And then get ready at the right time, at the right opportunity. Proceed with with it. Proceed with it. If that's you, I want you to slip out of your seat right now and say, God, I need this vision. You're the God of birth. city. The vision that was birthed in You're my heart, I need it to be right there. God, you called me. You separated me. Lord and I want to keep it fresh. Come on.